to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Corey, Louisville was one for the books, man. Boy, oh boy. Just the amount of people that we saw and connected with was insane. Yeah. We we picked up more interviews. We're going to get scheduled here pretty soon. Yep. But my gosh. Okay. First of all, quality of livestock, always good. Way up. Way up. Always good. Quality of people, of course, you know, always good. I, uh, first, first Louisville that I did not have any action with, with pigs. Yeah. We actually, um, just the timing of everything, it didn't work yeah. out for us to come down for the hog show, but we got to see the, uh, junior market lamb and, and heifer shows and even a little bit of the, the, uh, open heifers, which was fun because yeah. I always love just seeing some big show bulls getting after yep. it in the ring. It's oh, just, man. it's something nostalgic about being in that freedom hall with uh, the organ. organ. Plays. Uh, oh. Can't beat it. It's you know, best. we should interview that guy sometime. Yes, the organ guy yeah. episode. Just yeah. write it down, man. Well, we saw a little bit of everything. We did, and we did. although they weren't here, another way to see a little bit of everything is with Walton Webcasting. That's right. Walton Webcasting is the best way to view livestock like you've never seen it before. Go to waltonwebcasting.com, dig into their archives, and see a show that you may have missed. Or if you got one live and you got uh, a grandkid going in or maybe a brother or sister, you couldn't make it to the show, Walt Webcasting is the way to see those online without even having to leave the comfort of your home. And don't forget to subscribe. Once you subscribe to waltonwebcasting.com, you can dig into the archives, listen to those awesome videos with our buddy Greg. love that jingle so i might as well play it again so i love it too waltonwebcasting.com great people no we got big plans with walton oh my like big big plans we say that often but there it is so true it's gonna be it's gonna be fun um you know speaking of big things we got to get this out there because we only have about a week and a half left to get this done yes people need to know people need to know hey listen i butchered this on the last episode (laughs) i mean if you guys have never listened to pat mcafee's show there's a little thing that he likes to do uh, with one of his. It's actually like his producer. Yeah, I think of the pod, yeah, yeah the, the podcast. One's uh, people call him Zito. That's his name, um, and it's an ad read by Zito. And he, I mean, the, <laughs> the dude. I don't or, know how he graduated I, from college, can, Trev. You can relate me to Zito. Those of you listening, you know I can hardly read an ad. Therefore, I let you do most of them. Yeah, but I really struggled with this one last time. <laughs> okay, let's jump into it, folks. The good people at showpig.com have a November special email blast package. Cost effective, Trev, less than two cents per email impression. Why wouldn't you? I don't know, because uh, if you can't reach 20,000 unique... 20,000. 20,000 unique swine-only people, Mm. if you can't reach them right now, here's your chance. Promote your upcoming sale, your new product or service. Probably at this point in time, I would say that there's quite a few people uh, either looking for bread sows. Yep. Big maybe time. maybe just some babies. Yep. Uh, for the for the southwest and yeah, bread sales are coming up. Yep. Uh, get those breads promoted, guys. Two hundred and seventy five dollars per email blast, or four hundred and seventy five for two. Now here's where the real real kicker is, Trev. Not the wheel, the real. The normal price. To send one email blast is three hundred twenty-five bucks. Okay. So you might as well just buy the one for four seventy-five and get two. 
Yeah. I mean, it's 150 bucks. We're talking and the difference there. Yeah. You're saving some serious They're giving cash. this away. Yeah. Folks, oh our friends at showpig.com are the absolute best in the business. You guys know them. Where else can you buy pigs online? I don't know, but I'm going There's to a few first. places. You, but I'm probably, going, I'm probably going to show pig first. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, I hope we didn't rush through that, but I cannot wait to share with you guys what we just witnessed. Uh, what an event it was in Louisville. Our live episode. Well, let's not hold back from one of the best conversations that we have ever got to have with an influential mind and our industry. Folks, we're talking about a guy that has been through a lot in his life. A guy with a couple of kids that are just absolutely adorable. One of the best livestock judging coaches to ever walk through the doors at Black Hawk East, along with Dan Hook, of course. We're talking about a person that has evaluated some of the best hogs in this country at every single major. Mr. Brian Arnold. All right, guys. Well, it's been a long day here at the North American. It's uh, national contest time this time of year with the National Collegiate Judging Contest. And Brian, you were a part of that. I was, yes, for the first year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I had a chance to officiate here at the North American and, uh, I really appreciate the chance. Dr. Scott Griner called me here just uh, uh, probably a month ago and said that there would be an opportunity to come officiate. So I was I was a hog committee member today. Yeah. So. Now you were. We we got word from uh, Brandon Callis to bring this up, and we're going to do oh, it since we're already talking no, about I, it. I'm already having. Uh, <laughs> we were told sacks. to bring up the Market Hog Class your year at the North American. Yeah. So. Um, didn't want to go there right out of the gate. But, um, Everybody, welcome to the podcast with Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so first of all, Brandon's a very good friend of mine. We we got to know each other uh, through judging. He was at Connor State uh, when I was at Blackhawk, and then uh, and then he was at A and M while I was at Purdue. Uh, Brandon had a tremendous judging career, you know, both levels and and uh, won Kansas City. I was second to him there. I think he was the only guy that got the market lambs right at the Royal that uh, that fall and, and consequently ends up winning, you know, the Kansas yep. City that year. But anyways, we end up here at the, at the North American, and, uh, and it was interesting. Today we walk up, and the very first class we start on is, is a class of market hogs, and it's at that same location. <laughs> and, uh, and that class has haunted me ever since, you know, my senior year at Purdue. But anyways... We get to uh, the North American senior year, and we're we're kind of moving through the contest, and and uh, we get to it's my turn to to judge the non reasons market hogs, and it's a class of lightweight, solid white crossbred market <laughs> hogs. I think they came from Michigan State. There's a there's a lot of stories about that class. I want to say that maybe uh, there was uh, a flu break with a herd that was supposed to bring oh, hogs. No. And this was maybe a little bit of a last resort. Maybe I I'd like to believe that, <laughs> but, uh, anyways, um, you know, I, I walked up, placed the class, didn't think much of it, turned around, start working on my reasons. And, and, um, I thought it made a lot of sense. And, uh, and certainly you walk out of the, 
you walk out of your last set of reasons and there's a gazillion emotions going yeah. through, you know, just, uh, you know, Hey, that was my last set of reasons. I'm done. How did I do? Wow. That this is really it. You know, I'm never right. going back. And, uh, so you, you head up to your coach and you start going through your placings and they compare notebooks and, and they start going down the line and they stop, you know, Dr. Matt Clay stops right there and he says, how did you place those? And, and I said, well, yeah, you know, you had the really good structured balance, Barra, uh, needed to win. And then you had kind of this, you know, the, the fat, ill-built Barra that uh, didn't have enough muscle that, that goes last. Well, sure enough, you know, I invert the, the first and fourth place Barrows, and I think I take a 28 on that class. And what was interesting uh-huh. was... Uh, there were several of us that placed them the same, and one of them was Callus. And so, um, and I'll never forget uh, Dr. Clint Schwab was coaching at Iowa State at the time, and and this was this was the only you know I was looking for any little nugget of of uh, uh, hope at that point, and he said, you know, you probably just knew a little too much about hogs and tried a little too hard yeah. right there, didn't you? And I said, yeah, I probably did. Yeah. Keep it simple. But anyways, that was. Uh, that was the story about the uh, non-reasons market hog class. OH. IO. There we go. <laughs> we had the uh, That's painful Ohio State for me crew. To, painful for me to do that. Oh, but, boy. Uh, yeah. But, no, so terrible way to start the podcast. But uh, I will uh, turn it over to Corey to go through, our, our, I guess, the way we should have started the podcast. Well, it's, it's okay um, because I feel like people know who Brian Arnold is now. Yes. Uh, so, so Brian, we, we typically like to ask people when we start these things, you know, uh, tell us about yourself, what you do, where you're from, what makes Brian Arnold, Brian Arnold. Yeah, I, I'm not, not sure quite how to answer the last part of that, <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, so, so uh, today uh, my wife Molly and, and our two boys, Reese and Dawson, eight and four years old, we live in, in Lafayette, Indiana. And, um, and I work for United Animal Health professionally. I work for United Animal Health. And, uh, and, and serve as a product manager for their uh, direct-fed microbial platform. Really enjoy what I get to do. Uh, great team that I work with, a lot of them that are, uh, that are alumni of judging uh, programs, but also very invested in showing livestock and raising livestock. So it's a great team to work with. But kind of backtrack, uh, you know, I guess where I started, I grew up on a, a small uh, grain and, and livestock farm in, in northeast Indiana, Bluffton, Indiana, um, I would say it was very interesting. I, I was telling Corey, uh, Trevor, I, I'm a very big podcast fan oh, really? and, uh, had a chance to listen to the Dale Hummel interview here. Uh, I think it was last week yep. you guys yep. did that. And, and it was interesting hearing him describe his upbringing. And I, I felt like there was a lot of parallels there. You know, he talked about humble upbringing just in terms of, uh, of a modest show career. You know, I grew up, uh, we raised hogs. We, I had a very small commercial operation. Uh, from a very young age, I was infatuated with livestock and sports. Uh, the only problem with the sports side of things was I never grew. And so, uh, Trevor, that, can, Trevor can yeah, relate. I can relate. Yeah, <laughs> Couldn't yeah. see over the line in football. <laughs> Between that, a broken arm, and being slow and, and not very tall, um, you know, that kind of limited my athletic career. But, uh, you know, like I said, clear back to a very young age, love being around livestock and, uh, and love being around my dad, you know, just working on the farm with him. Um, is the other thing is interesting. I think Dale talked about 
having a sheep in the basement. I used to bring pigs from the farrowing house into the living room. You know, oh, yeah. bring, bring them into the house and show mom, you know, yeah. look, at, look at this one. Yeah. You know, but anyways. Well, when he said that, it brought me back to working on Dan Hoag's farm. I mean, every single oh, baby yeah, pig you goes gotta, right to the basement. You Warm know, day, day one pig care starts in the basement. <laughs> That's right. yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I, uh, enjoyed, you know, the more, more I got involved in, in, uh, 4-H and, and FFA as I got older, Obviously, that really changed the trajectory of some decision making and, and what I decided to, to pursue um, in terms of college and so forth. But I, I think a lot of it really, you know, any, I guess, success I've had or opportunities I've had, whether it be judging shows or coaching judging teams or that, really goes back to some pivotal decisions. And I would say one was uh, my freshman year in, in high school when I was, uh, it was probably my first week of, of class. It was the very last day that you could sign up for ag class. So I went and signed up for ag class, and I had a very resilient ag teacher by the name of Mr. Steve Stoffer, and he and he really went out of his way to pursue me. Mm. I was a very timid kid at the time, uh, very quiet, and and he caught me one day heading to the cafeteria. He said, "Arnold, what do you like to do?" And I said, I, "You know, I, I like livestock. I like farming. You know, I like." Uh, uh, sports. I was on the golf team, mm-hmm. different things. Uh, and he said, I really think you're missing out. Let's, let's get you signed up for ag class. And it was a, kind of down to the 11th hour, but I made the decision to go ahead and sign up. And, and I, you know, right away I was hooked. Mm. You know, I was so fortunate yeah. to have an ag teacher that just invested his time in us and, uh, and made it fun and exciting. And, um, from that point, obviously got very involved in activities one of them uh, was was livestock judging, and um, you know my livestock judging career in high school again started out very humble roots. Um, we had a a uh, I would say semi crazy high school judging coach by the name of Randy Muncy, and salt <laughs> of the earth guy, and and uh, the thing that really probably brought me out of my shell in high school was we would on Saturday mornings it was very um, familiar for us to go to the local sale barn there it was a tyson sale barn and we would practice on i would say between 10 to 15 classes of of market hogs albeit you know in those those days predominantly commercial market hogs right um and i guess where it becomes interesting is you know we would judge those 10 to 15 classes on a saturday morning starting early and then we would go get some breakfast at mcdonald's and we get out of the van and and he would say, hey, guys, bring your notebooks in. And, okay, yeah, we'll bring our notebooks in. Well, didn't realize we were going to be giving reasons in McDonald's on Saturday morning in <laughs> oh, Bluffton, moly. Indiana, which, you know, that's that's kind of the – that's kind of like a Starbucks, you know, in Columbus on game day. Right. McDonald's in Bluffton, <laughs> Indiana. Um, so, yeah, we would, we would be uh, giving reasons in the middle of the restaurant as, as people would be walking by us and between us asking, what were we – what were we doing? Yeah. It was almost, they were almost a little concerned. <laughs> um, but uh, boy, you talk about coming out of your shell and, and, you know, baptism by fire. It really forced you to think on your toes, but also just get comfortable with uh, uh, being uncomfortable yeah, and, right. uh, and, and just kind of coming out of your shell. Well, so, if you know somebody that's going to pull somebody out of a shell, it's Randy Muncy because that guy... I don't know. I don't know what it is about him, but his his personality is infectious. As far as just you know, guy can talk to a wall. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I, all credit goes to 
uh, to guys like uh, Randy, like like Mr. Stoffer, Mr. Steve Stoffer, my ag teacher, and and, and those locally that uh, you know helped us with livestock, livestock judging, and, and so forth. And I'm sure you guys are the same. You know, yep. there was somebody, somebody in your lives that that just lit that spark in oh, you, yeah. and uh, and and kind of that aha moment really you know shaped a lot of the decisions that you guys made as well. Yeah. So. Yep. Absolutely. And once well, I thought a spark was lit and the fire ignited in somebody. I mean, it just kept at one person after the other. Then it's funny because it kind of circles back around. And my roots go back to McCoy's. Everybody that listens kind of knows that. But that was where it all started. And then you kind of stair-step it one person after the other. And you're thankful for all of them because each part is part of you, whether you like it or not. Right. Yeah, and the, the different stages that you can go from, you know, like you said, you really kind of grew up, being around your dad and the farm scene and then you got to high school and then it's you know just the the people that cross your path throughout life is it just insane as far as being able to to fuel your passion for things and and maybe you just learn something completely new honestly yeah if trevor didn't ask me you know probably almost 12 months ago if you know i wanted to start a podcast or had this idea uh to be honest i'd I had maybe listened to one or two podcasts <laughs> in my life before you mentioned that. And then, you know, I've, I've gotten into it and here we are creating our own. So it's kind of something that, um, you're able to just because of the people you meet and you're able to kind of find different passions for things too. So, right. Folks, we're going to take a break in the action. Uh, great conversation with Brian Arnold. We got going on, but you need to hear what the folks at Murray state university swine unit are doing from a personalized real-world learning community to securing valuable internships and career networking opportunities that prepare students for a lifetime of success. Murray State University gets you where you want to go. Engage one-on-one with faculty in their labs or work in one of their five teaching farms. Trevor, five. Five of them. Five. Engage with student-led and operated show pig facilities as well. Students do it all there. Yes, they do. The Swine Lab and Show Pig Operation at Murray State houses 30 sows dedicated exclusively to purebred and crossbred show pig production. But you won't find a farm manager there. Trevor said it. They employ a team of student leaders who each oversee their piece of the farm's genetics, breeding, farrowing, marketing, sale management, and boarstead operations. So, yes, the students do do it all. Classes are offered in swine science, swine production, and individual swine practicums. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at msushowpigs uh, or visit their website at murraystate.edu slash swineunit. Murray State University, go get an education, not just a degree. Um, so let's talk about, uh, you kind of hinted at your professional career a little bit, but um, you've, you've done quite a bit before that. Uh you know, coaching at Blackhawk and, and, uh, you know, being a part of the NSR and, and other things of that nature. So what, uh, let's walk through your career. How, how did you get, um, you know, started in the Blackhawk livelihood? Yeah. So, um, as you said, I, I was very much a, a product of 4-H and FFA, uh, raising and showing livestock, but also competing on judging teams. And, and I was very fortunate to get a, a, chance to judge at Blackhawk College, made the decision to go to Blackhawk and uh, had the opportunity to judge for, for the, you know, a lot of the same uh, crew that, that both of you did and had yeah. a very similar experience. Uh, 
Uh, for me, it was Dan Hogue, uh, Lee Denzer, and then also Andy Rash. Uh, yep. They were they were kind of the trio that I was very fortunate to have a chance to uh, to judge with and learn from. And and so you know, from a, a collegiate judging experience, you know, I started um, after after high school, enrolled at Blackhawk, and competed there, and and uh, was fortunate to to be on a great team. We were all guys, which. Uh, you know, it's interesting today, I think it was Gary Childs made the comment, and he said, you know, the, the, the percentage of young ladies versus young men in mm-hmm. livestock judging in the room today, uh, he was a little surprised by it. And I said, I'm not, you know, just historically the teams that I coach were, were probably a uh, similar balance, but our team was all guys, but man, we had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were, so, and and, uh, and we, we still keep in very close contact. Today, uh, we have a series of text messages, primarily on Saturdays. Uh, we have some very vocal Ohio State teammates that, <laughs> that uh, you know, I, I quick to remind them the, the last team that beat them was, was Purdue. Yeah, oh, I'll never <laughs> and, forget. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, but I digress here a little bit. Going back, you know, uh, Blackhawk really, uh, not only from a judging standpoint, provided a, a great deal of opportunity. It also exposed me to a tremendous network of people. A couple of them were were Dan and Jennifer Scheich. And, mm. and so as I transitioned from Blackhawk to Purdue, between that time, I had a chance to intern at the National Swine Registry mm-hmm. and uh, and had a chance to uh, to work with Jennifer Scheich. And so uh, through that process, you know, I, I learned a great deal and had a chance to um, to be exposed to just the level of talent and professionalism that she brought, but also get exposed to the National Swine Registry, which, you know, connecting the dots, I guess, all the way back. And you think about, you know, how things progressed, you know, from my Blackhawk judging and education to to NSR internships and then to uh, uh, Purdue uh, uh, for my bachelor's and then straight back to Blackhawk. So right away after Blackhawk, Andy Rash uh, called me and he said, hey, I've I might be leaving here uh, for a new uh, new opportunity with, at the time, it would have been Showmaster Feeds yep. with Cargill, yep. mm. uh, which today would, would uh, that's kind of transitioned to Sunglow, Sunglow I believe. Yeah. But uh, uh, any call and ask if I'd be interested, and I was still undecided on whether I'd try to pursue grad school. What, you know, I always wanted to coach. I, I love livestock, love working with young people, and it was just too good of an opportunity to pass up. And so... Um, made the decision to, to jump right in head first and, and, and had a, a very unique experience to be able to coach alongside uh, Dan Hogue and also uh, Lee Denzer there as well, primarily Dan, you know, at that point in time in terms of day-to-day coaching. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that was just a phenomenal experience in terms of uh, being able to sit and listen to him and, and learn from him and how he would uh, how he could teach and educate young people, how he would handle workouts and, and hosting uh, hosts of livestock workouts mm-hmm. and appre- yeah. just the level of appreciation that he had for them, um, his introductions of people, um, all those things and how he'd handle certain situations. I was very, very blessed to had a chance to, to just sit back and watch and learn and listen the, all, the other thing there is just the students. I mean, unbelievable in terms of the relationships that you built, the van time with the with the students. It takes you back to just to a lot of neat, fun stories. And, and even today, um, I look back at some of our challenges as a family that we've gone through and, and just did a, a couple things. You know, my, my wife, I think 
you guys may know and many know, um, mm-hmm. you know, went through uh, breast cancer and through that process, um, you know, as words start to get out, you know, hey, Molly has cancer, the first people to run to our rescue were were my former students and were our friends in the livestock industry. And uh, whether it was a, a car to call, a text, a donation, uh, we, we were very fortunate to, uh, th- there was a fundraiser, as, as in many cases, uh, there was a, a benefit auction hosted for our family. It was interesting, a lot of the lots that were donated or a lot of the the purchases were made by alumni, and, mm-hmm. but also by my former students. And so um, it's truly a family, and I know you guys are aware of that, and, I, and not just at that program, at any of the programs that were represented here today as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so you brought up the stories of the 12-passenger van, and, and Trevor and I actually Man. came up with a little bit of a segment because I have some stories that my dad told me from his judging days at the University of Illinois that I want to get to, um, but – we let we we want to hear some of your favorite stories. Good, funny, interesting, weird because it all happens. We do have <laughs> we do have some youngsters we in do. the audience here. We do um, no uh, the van rides. Yeah, my goodness. Um, you know whether it was being on the judging team or as a coach, probably more so as a coach. There were some two two stories that come to mind that I I think I can share today. Um, the very first team I think I had a chance to work with, and it was a partial year as I came in, you know, halfway through. But uh, I guess the first team I, I had a chance to work with through their their full sophomore year, it was the 06, 07 team. But anyways, they were ornery. And I mean, they would they would make you question whether you could <laughs> you wanted to, to do it. And, uh, and, you know, as a young coach, I wasn't much older than them and all the above. Um it was a challenge at times, but they were so much fun, and I'm very close to to most of them today. I, you know, just from the industry and and uh, the circles that we're in. But uh, there was a there was a Saturday workout, and I think it was a December workout. I want to say we were coming back from Tree Lane Farms, and uh, we had been out and you know working out on several classes of heifers and and. Um, Adam Crouch, I'm sure you guys know oh, yes. Adam Crouch, w- was on that team. And there was an, another young lady uh, by the name of Stephanie Sindel that was on that team. Stephanie's from Ohio and and uh, has, has done a tremendous job uh, working with, uh, I believe it's uh, Ohio Cattlemen's, I want to yep. say. Yep. And just a tremendous leader, young people in, in that state and done great things. But Stephanie was incredibly scared of mice and... <laughs> We were just working out, um, you know, and, and didn't think much of it. And I, Adam, I happened to be walking beside him, and he and he stomped really fast all at once. And he and he went down and he picked up a mouse, and I didn't think a lot of it. But uh, long behold, somehow or another, he he got to stand next to Stephanie Sindel during the judging one of the classes, and put that mouse in her pocket, <laughs> and she didn't know it. Okay, and so keep in mind, you talked about the 12-passenger van. Well, many times we were traveling with three or four vans. Oh, yeah. Right. And, uh, and Steph was a great van driver. She was reliable and, and oftentimes would drive our vans. And so uh, I didn't know what was about to happen, but we get on, I think it was Interstate 39 heading back north in Illinois, and uh, all of a sudden, I forget who was riding co-pilot, but they they make a phone call to Stephanie and it's on speakerphone. I said, well, what's going on? And they said, Stephanie, uh, 
um, is there something in your pocket? And she says, well, I don't think so. Why? Well, she reaches in there, and all, next thing you know, it's, <laughs> scree- I mean, it's, it's absolute mayhem, you know, <laughs> screaming and, and uh, just the horror, and, and pulls the van over and gets out crying and screaming on the interstate. And we can laugh about these things. I could have killed him at the time. <laughs> oh, my you gosh. Know, I, some of these things probably aren't even you know, safe to talk about or probably shouldn't be talked about. Uh, you know, publicly, but that, that, you know, that gives you a flavor for, for a lot of, you know, what some of the van rides were like. There was another story. Uh, uh, I don't know what your guys' experiences were like, but typically you kind of had your spot in a van. Is that, yep. is that yep. a similar experience? Absolutely. Mine was always against the window. Cause I was called grandpa. I would always take a nap between yep. stops. I mean, five minutes or 50 minutes I was out. Yeah. Well, with yeah. my long legs, I was typically in in the Blackhawk judging van, it was we had kind of the bus, you know, and, right. and I would always sit up front on the left so I could throw Mainly my legs because out. Because you're a very large human, yes. and there was more leg space there. Right? <laughs> yeah, you were that guy. Yeah, I was that guy. but uh, you know, I I drove, you know, the whatever vehicle we were in. But one of my very loyal co-pilots was Brant Smith. Oh yeah, and I I can't remember for sure which team they would have been on if it was the 2010 team. But anyways. Uh, yeah, trip. We had triplets, the the Smith triplets or yep. the Smithlets, as we call <laughs> the them. Smithlets. But uh, you talk about an interesting dynamic. I mean, you never knew what uh, the mood was going to be when they showed up. You know, the the things that were going to happen. Number one, they were going to be late, um, and uh, it was probably Courtney's fault of the of the triplets. But anyways, um, we were traveling back. We judged at the American Royal. Contest was over. And, and like Brand always was, he's a loyal co-pilot and riding up front with me. It was Sunday afternoon after awards and traveling home. We were on I-70 and and uh, we just had this really odd whistling sound that, that just kept going on. And, uh, and you guys, you know, one of my favorite movies is Christmas Vacation. You yeah. Know? yeah. You know, yeah. they talk about what's that noise, the funny squeak. Aunt <laughs> Bethany says it's a funny squeak. It was like that. You know, we, we couldn't put our... Our, our finger on it what what is this and and uh brant's sitting up front and he says arnie do you think it's the windshield and he just gives it one hit and it spider webs you know <laughs> driving down the road oh, now no. thank goodness it didn't shatter and back fall back right, on yeah. us but you know to the point where it was hard to see to drive home for the next four hours five hours and, uh, of course, they think this is hilarious, you know, and, and how am I going to explain this when yeah. we get back that, you know, hey, we were driving probably a little too fast. And, uh, oh, by the way, you know, one of the students hit the windshield and, uh, and it cracked. And, and uh, I was very honest and transparent with them about it. Yeah. I said, Here, here's you know, what happened. But, no, those, <laughs> those are just a couple of the, the stories that come directly to mind. And I know there's lots of others and, and probably others that, suited for different yeah right. yeah yeah so. well it's it's funny because i'm sure there's there's very similar stories over the years but there was a point in time where people could get a lot way with a lot more as far as just uh uh from a i don't want to say like a legality standpoint but i mean geez i've heard some stories that you know there <laughs> things things happen in a judging team van that just it's it's funny but at the same time, it's those memories that you can kind of grab a hold of. Right. Like, you man, never, do you remember when? You don't really remember livestock in the contest, but you will always remember 
exactly. who you were sitting by most of the time and those stories like you mentioned that's what i mean relationships we have a text thread that's true you know? yes yeah. yes yeah no i i agree you know the uh, when you spend uh, the volume of hours in a van um, close proximity you kind of go through a life cycle you know at first it's uh you get back to school and everybody's very excited to see each other again yep. and yep and uh and as a coach you know as i kind of got a couple years into it then you identify the life cycle and uh but it you know it starts out spirit fingers high fives everybody's pumped being back together and and then uh you know you start to wear each other out a little bit yeah. and of course you, you may have some uh uh, some boyfriend girlfriend uh, uh, drama mixed in, and 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 then you you, you kind of plateau, and, and it gets a, a little tough, you know, just a right, tough yeah. environment, and then and then things kind of come back full circle. But bottom line, uh, that that's such a, a great experience, and you get so close with your teammates. You mentioned you don't remember the livestock and the contest outside of outside of the, the market. Yeah, the, class. the big pictures. <laughs> right, you, right. You remember those things. But the things that I do remember are are the opportunity, some of the real elite livestock, elite livestock you saw in practices, in right, different yep, workouts, yep. whether it be as a, as a coach or as a, a collegiate judge. Another so, thing I've got notebooks full of, it should have been notes. Everybody knows that. But I took notes on the facilities, and I took a little piece of every single show pig barn that I went in, and I've got this master plan. I mean, I'm going to have to really take this podcast thing to a whole new level to fund it. <laughs> there's all kinds of pieces and parts to that show pig barn that I've seen everywhere. And I always enjoyed the conversation of, you know, maybe you go on a multi-species workout or something like that. And at the end of the day, uh, driving back right before, you know, you get to the hotel to give reasons is, is the the million dollar question of you know, what, what's the best piece of livestock you sold? Today? Right. And right. Just, just those discussions of, you know, where you were, who you saw, you know, what, what things stuck out to you. And it was kind of fun, um, being, you know, kind of a multi-species kid on the bus. And, and I, you know, sometimes you just, you, and then you get the cattle guys that are just real, you know, pertinent that they didn't see the best sheep or goat that day. Yeah. They, they saw the best half or a bull or something like that, right. you know? And so it's right. always kind of fun to get into those type of discussions with those guys for sure. So. You got a diesel truck? I don't. Well, if you did, I'd tell you where to go. Where that, are you going? That place is Fleece Performance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yep. yeah. Let me tell you what. They have a complete lineup of race-proven products for your truck. Everything from their famous drop-in Cheetah turbochargers for Cummins, Duramax, and PowerStroke to injection pumps, lift pumps, and cylinder heads. Folks, go to fleeceperformance.com. Tell them that you talk to the boys at Stock Talk and get 10% off your purchase. That's Fleece Performance. Let's head back to the action with Brian Arnold. Well, Corey, want to jump into another topic or our segment that we love? It's Topics from a Hat. And as you know, Fierce Threads sponsors Topics from a Hat. We've got these awesome new sweatshirts for sale. Yes, we do. That are online. And they're all from Fierce Threads. We've got hats. We've got T-shirts. Those guys do it right. If you listening want to get your business on the forefront with cutting edge hats, t-shirts, whatever, signage, they do it all. Signage. Yeah. threadscom So Corey, did you ever envision yourself as a as a model for you know apparel? 
No, I didn't. And honestly, we took a video earlier today, and um, I was just like, "Man, I, uh, I guess I'm the I'm the rap here for the for the apparel because <laughs> Trevor's looking nice in his button up, and here I am and slumming it in a hoodie and a and a hat. But you know, I somebody's got to be the the walking billboard, so I guess it's me. <laughs> well, if I'm picking a billboard, it's going to be a big one. There you so. go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to kind of combine this one because this is a topic. Uh, that we've kind of thought of before. So we've actually had guests that we've had on this podcast before say, you know, those folks that are in the ring judging that don't raise livestock on a daily basis just don't understand. And if if you're not out there and knee-deep in snow in the middle of February trying to get sows farrowed, or if you're out in the pasture trying to get a calf, all of this stuff, but those who don't do it on a daily basis have no business being in, in the ring. You are proof that you can do that. I just wanted to know, as the topic continues, you've judged a huge amount of major shows at a high level and do it well. So what are your thoughts on some of that? Yeah, no, hey, I, I totally respect uh, uh, where they're coming from. I, I get it. I understand that. Yeah, and, and so uh, what, I w- what I would say, and, and kind of before I would answer your question, is interesting. So I... I took a little hiatus from judging. Uh, a lot of it was was due to the role I had at the National Swine Registry, right. and kind of going back to career path. You know, from from Blackhawk coaching, went to the National Swine Registry. Uh, I was facilitating a lot of shows and sales, and and uh, oversaw our you know our communi- marketing communications team, our JSA uh, staff, and I worked together very closely. And when I made the decision to go to to NSR. I was very aware of the fact of two things. One, I uh, the few sows that we still did have uh, back at my parents that I was still involved with, uh, I wasn't going to be able to be you know actively involved in raising right. raising pigs. And secondly, uh, I was I was going to have to be willing to to put judging on the shelf at the time. Yep. And, I, and I was I was okay with that. I loved judging youth livestock shows. Uh, was very active in that when I was. I was ju- uh, judging coach at Blackhawk, but then again through NSR, maybe judged a couple uh, very you know unique circumstances. Maybe I think maybe one year San Antonio I had already committed to, and then Hawaii. You know I had a chance right. to do that, and maybe Houston as well. But you know um, the reason I say all that is um, you know I I totally understand where they're coming from when you when you talk about the the guys that are in the trenches every day raising livestock. Um, thawing waters, you know, uh, the the commitment that they have, and inve- the investment that they have, uh, the risk that they they put into that, I, I understand and right. respect all of that, and and uh, and certainly when you step into the ring, you want to be conscious of all of those things, and so uh, um, so I, I number one, I totally understand their and and appreciate that opinion too. Um, you know, I there's been times in my life where I haven't been actively raising livestock probably just because of the chapter I was in with career or also, you know, personal life as well. But, uh, as I've changed, uh, careers and, and, uh, went to Zoetis and now to United Animal Health, I, I've gotten back into judging a little more. And, uh, at the same time, uh, we, we've got two young kids that, uh, all indications are that, that they're going to probably be interested in showing livestock Good. obviously my wife and i uh, grew up showing livestock and her dad still has a handful of sows in southern indiana and yep. so uh we'd be excited to, to to really you know 
get back into it, yep. you know, whether, you know, how broad that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that will just depend on our bandwidth as a family and, and time and, and commitment level and, and, and several other things as well. But, uh, no, I, I understand that. I, I, uh, respect that decision, you know, that, that, uh, sentiment in terms of those that, that judge need to be, to breed, need to actively be breeding livestock. And third thing I'd say on that, I, I think what you consider a breeder is is probably a very loose definition. Yeah. You know, some will be very boy. You got You know, if you got five sows, are you truly a breeder? Five ewes, whatever that is. Um, bottom line, I think you need to be passionate about you know what what you're doing. You yep. need to have probably some um, uh, experience of, of raising them and, and showing them. And and you know, I think uh, this platform the the judging platform can certainly help prepare right. young people to step into the ring. Um, but that's not to say it's the only avenue that, that needs to happen to get you there as well. So. Right. I, I just thought it was interesting because, you know, I've tried the, the few sows here and there just to get the experience and to experience a little bit of the trenches. But those who are evaluate are good with kids are genuine people and can see livestock, you, you don't necessarily have to have 30 40, 300 sows, you just have to understand where, where those people come. I mean, I'm repeating what you said, but I just thought it was, it was interesting. It was an interesting statement that was made once, and I get it 1,000%. If they don't have livestock and they're judging your show, at least you hope they understand those. Right, yeah, and I, again, totally respect, you know, the, the sentiment on that. Uh, you know, the other thing I would say is how many of us um, – you know, growing up, the only thing we wanted to do was, was raise livestock. Right. You know, I was yep. one of those. Yep. And I, so the, give you a little perspective, the timeline of when I was growing up, um, and I, I talked about this, you know, we had pretty modest upbringing through my high school years, you know, the, the ag industry was not very good yeah. and, and it wasn't easy at home for us. Uh, and we probably didn't have the resources and financial uh, a level and, and at least the commitment to really go out and pursue, um, you know, a huge investment in raising livestock. So the, the few commercial sows that we did have left, uh, 1998, as, as the uh, swine industry really went through some challenges, you know, those sows were sold off. And, um, and I would say a lot of young people today that are, that are graduating college They'd love nothing more than to raise livestock. It's yep. it's not it's nothing that they can step into and do right away, right. and uh, and make it their their sole livelihood. And so, I will never be critical of young people that land a career, uh, whether it in agriculture or outside of agriculture, but want to pursue that passion, um, whether it be a side hobby of raising them or or try to stay involved through helping judging teams or. Uh, being involved in, in helping young people prepare you know, livestock for shows. Right. You know, there's lots of ways to contribute and give back and also fulfill your, your passion for, for the industry. Right. Well, and, and to a certain extent, you know, and like you, I, I respect the the thought process behind the, the concept of, you know, if you're, if you're going to be uh, evaluating at a high level, you know, you've got to have some experience with it, um, or, or be involved directly. And I, and I understand that as well, but I would also challenge those folks, um, in a way that, you know, it's, it's 
like Trevor said about how you work with the kids, because ultimately if we don't have kids showing livestock, we don't have stock shows, mm-hmm. uh, you know, besides open shows. And, and the other piece is, is if somebody's a talented evaluator, I don't care if they have no sows, one sow, or, you know, a hundred head of cattle. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me as long as they do a good, honest job and treat the kids right and make them excited to come back into the ring the next time. That's what matters to yeah. me. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, the other thing I would add to this is I, I've never once asked the judges show, and I never will. You know, I I was very surprised. Um, I guess probably when specifically when I was at the National Swine Registry, very involved in in the selection of judges and uh, and also facilitating shows. The the uh, it, it's not taken lightly. You know, picking judges to judge shows and to evaluate. Uh, whether it be a uh, an open show and sale or or also uh, you know a junior stock show, there's a significant amount of uh, thought that goes into judge selection. But I I was a little surprised at the number of calls that you would get from people asking to judge a show. And I and that that was I, hmm. I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah. But but I, I and I'm not being critical of that. What I'm saying is I think people are just passionate about you know one livestock but two giving back and right and uh they want to they want to be able to contribute to the young people that and give them the same experience that they have and, right and uh really give, make a difference in those those young people right so well and and we just had a, a room full of of people who are hoping to get those shows and you're excited and full of fire after this contest rather you get beat or not i i mean i was fortunate enough to win this uh the hog division of this contest but after that, I thought I was on top of the world. I was still learning. But, you know, I, I, what I'm trying to say is everybody wants to judge all the shows. And I did as many as I could. And, and I'm like, you, I've never asked to judge a show. I've been, man, if I could judge that one one day, I would surely love to. But uh, I guess another question I had for you was to all of those kids that were, were in this room, what would you say to the ones just getting out of college and, and taking that first step into judging livestock shows, what advice do you have for those people? Yeah, that, that's a you know, kind of put yourself back in your own shoes uh, when when you were finishing up and yeah. so forth. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think early on, uh, back to if I could give myself even some advice when I started out, um, I, I think I always did it for the right reasons. You know, I you know I love working with young people. I was. My mom, I probably get that from my parents. We always had kids at our place uh, growing up. We always, my mom was a babysitter. Uh, kids tended to just end up at our house. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> we kept other kids' livestock at our house um, for friends and so forth. And so they always had a passion for, for young people and trying to develop young people. And, and I probably uh, picked up on that from my parents. So I, I think advice to young people looking to judge, first of all, is you've got to have your priorities straight. And, and as you mentioned, Corey, without young people at the end of that halter or, or showing that pig, there's really no purpose for the yeah. show ring today. And I, I know that that's a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow, mm-hmm. but we are in the business of youth development yep. and in the livestock industry. Uh, I, I think the stock show industry is a, is a direct, uh, directly the successor or failures is going to be how well we develop those young people. But I think advice, you know, keep focused on developing young people and know that those eyes are always watching you. I think that's a good thing for, for young judges to, uh, 
uh, always kind of keep keep that in the back of your mind. The things that you do before, during, and after a show uh, will be evaluated by by young eyes, but also by parents. And I don't know about you guys, but um, you know, I think back to the people I really looked up to in the show pig industry. One of those was Grant Grebner. Yep. And I always looked at Grant as the as the ultimate professional, uh, just in terms of how he handled a show, how he treated people. Uh, he would go out of his way to say hi to you. You know, shaking his hand was was kind of like you know when I was a kid. If he would come up and say hi, Brian, and and uh, great to see you, boy, that was like you know Michael Jordan kind of giving you a fist <laughs> yeah. bump. But yep. you know, I, I think um, recognize that, that young people will look up to you. And then, then the other thing that I would say is don't get in a hurry. You know, don't, boy, don't get in a hurry to, to go out and, and judge them all. Um, there's a lot of learning uh, that goes on, I think, transitioning from, let's say, stock show exhibitor to collegiate judge to stock show judge. Boy, there's a lot of learning that goes yeah, on. no doubt. And, um, and I think knowing how to handle a show, looking back, I, I think um, that's probably where I – I probably gained as much value from Mr. Hogue as anything, mm-hmm. just knowing knowing how to uh, make sure you handle a show properly, and and also uh, you know say thank you and and treat people treat people how you would want to be treated. Exactly. So, oh man, yeah, I was I was that was what you said. Just slow down, take it one at a time. Yep. I mean that is that's what I was getting at. That's where I if I had to go back and tell myself, hey man, there's plenty out there. They'll still <laughs> still yep. be going because I, uh, I mean. I was all over the place at one time. We get we get anxious, you know, wanting the ah, uh, when am I get get called to do this, you know, small state fair? When I'm going to get called to do this big jackpot, or you know, and then you kind of think about some of the things that you've learned along the way. But boy, I'm probably just not ready for that show yet. And, yeah, and and or it's like, you know, when that show comes, I think this experience will help me, you know, in in being able to to navigate the ring right and and be able to evaluate. And, and make sure that I'm confident in what I'm doing. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the other thing that's so interesting is, is um, we talk about being confident in a show ring and, and, you know, we've had this discussion several times on the, on the show about just navigating the journey of becoming a, a stock show judge. And one of the things too, that I, I think people, um, our age, you know, if you haven't come to the self-realization is that it's always nice to be able to, um, after the show, have somebody come up to you and say, boy, I really like how you worked with the kids today. Yep. You know, I, I think my daughter learned a lot from listening to you on the mic or something like that. And, and it's, you know, being able to have that kind of a relationship after the show. Um, I had a guy come up and tell me I did a terrible job. He said, but I worked with the kids really well. Uh, and I think that's so what because did, what did you say? I said, I said, <laughs> I said, thanks. Th- I said, yeah. thanks. Um, I said, I'm, I'm sorry you disagreed with me. I just used the ones I thought I liked. He said, well, you put my daughter third to the champion in reserve. And I just wasn't really too happy about that. Yeah, and you know, right. I, I, I respect that, I guess, but um, sometimes you get beat. You can't win them all. Right. Yeah, I, I think uh, another thing that changed my perspective a lot probably was, um, yeah, I judged a lot right out of right out of college. I was young. I was I wasn't married. I didn't have a family. Took some time away from it, and, and in that process, had had kids. And you think you you realize, um, you know, just 
you think you appreciate young people and then you have your own kids and you just know in in our case in particular uh, our oldest son um, many many probably know he he has uh, he's on the autism spectrum Reese are very high functioning um, and I, I really enjoy listening to you guys I one of the things one of the set episodes I really got a lot of value out was listening to Temple Grandin yeah and um, and, and in hearing Temple talk about uh, just how she's impacted the industry and and uh, realizing some of the probably her journey and uh, boy as a parent of a young as a young man uh, if with our son that's something that really resonated with me but what I'm getting at is having kids totally changes your perspective as a judge as well mm. you know the, the appreciation you have knowing uh, what a win looks like for one kid may be totally different than another. Right. Yeah. And and yeah. I think you need to be so conscious of that when you're out there judging uh, what what really you know matters and and then uh, you know never stop learning and studying. You know I, I learn a lot sitting on the sidelines and watching people that I really respect judge livestock shows. <clears throat> and one thing I always said was, um, if you're not a cattle person. Go watch a, a breeding cattle show. Yeah, Boy, yeah. There's there's so much you can learn just in terms of form to function. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, and how they evaluate and, and place emphasis. You know, I, I think we can always become better evaluators, and uh, I think it's it's a, something that you need to continually work on. Right. So continue to be a student. Yep. I I, I love. Uh, I always appreciate a good stockman over somebody that's probably <laughs> dedicated to and and obviously. There's a, a lot of people that are dedicated to one species, but usually the guys that are really on top tend to have a real appreciation for other species too. Right. And I think that's that's what makes separates the the real the real good stockmen from from maybe just kind of the hobby breeders, which takes all kinds of kinds in that's this right. industry. That's exactly right. Sorry to interrupt you again, but this is a loaded episode that everybody wanted to be a part of. Rightfully so, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's another pig show coming to Ohio, folks. Friday Night Lights on December 13th in London, Ohio at the Madison County Fairgrounds. Danny Aarons is going to be the the guilt judge. Clay Pruitt be the market judge. But not only that, you may have heard of this guy. On the next day, we've got Ryan Rash coming to town. Oh. London, Ohio at the Holiday Showdown Jackpot Show in the same location in London, Ohio. Guess what? There's another show after that. Tell me more. There's three shows in one weekend, December 13th, 14th, and 15th, London, Ohio, the Madison County Fairgrounds. Folks, huge, huge event that everybody loves to go to. It's kind of one of the first ones of the winter. Mm. So we got to go to there and go visit London, Ohio. It's an awesome place to be with the holiday classic, the Friday Night Lights, and so much more coming with that. Make sure you go to their Website, holidayshowdown.fairentry.com, and see so much more. We like our guys there in Ohio. Of course, go Bucks. Well, Jeff, how about another segment? Social Smash. That's right. Social Smash, brought mm. to you by Brad Hal Ford in Kokomo, Indiana. Brian probably knows those guys pretty well, too. I, I do. To, I've had yeah. to guess. Uh, if you get in a fender bender, maybe you happen to <laughs> smash up your truck a little bit. Go buy yourself a new one to haul that trailer to the next show. As we approach summer and tax write-off season, it's really a nice time 
to go and get you a nice new truck. That's right. From the boys at Brad Howell Ford. So thank you to those guys so much for their sponsorship and, and our relationship with them is, I think, uh, only going to get bigger and better, Jeff. That's right. All right. So, Brian, the, the purpose of this segment has really evolved um, mostly because Trevor and I had a little self-reflection uh, with it because in our first, I don't know, 10 episodes, if you go back and listen, we're a little bit negative here. Yeah, and and it's negative. just, you know, you see things on social media and you really scratch your head like, oh, come on, what's this picture? Or what's this post about? And so we were like, well, let's kind of talk about some of that stuff and maybe people won't post as much. And to be honest, yeah, you kind of see it every day. But at the same time, I've noticed less on my feed and maybe it's just because people, uh, I, I, I don't want to give us the credit by any means. They're learning from somebody. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I think it's it's kind of cool. And, and so part of this, I guess, is a lot of people have been spinning it positively, which I've actually kind of uh, had to take a seat back a little bit. And like, yeah, I, kinda, I can kind of see where you're coming from. Um, and, and then taking, taking something positive and then also saying, well, here's where we could be better. So I think that's the purpose of this segment. That was a long road to a tiny house, but we're there. And uh, so maybe it's a pet peeve, maybe it's a, a correction, maybe it's advice. Um, you know, but where are you at with with the social media and, and industry realm? Yeah, boy i I could probably be called. I could probably be labeled sort of a fun hater when it comes to the social media. <laughs> um, probably dates back to when I was. Just to give you a little. Uh, little perspective here i had a flip phone until i went to the national swine registry <laughs> trying to remember when that would have been 2012 i had a flip phone oh my so um and now i think our four-year-old walks around with you know with it yeah i calling yeah. grandma uh, <laughs> pretending but anyways yeah i you know went, going clear back to uh the days of when i was coaching and, and also judging a lot of shows and in education I didn't want to be on social media and, and really uh, uh, that involved with uh, knowing probably a lot that was going right. on and so forth. And and I probably just continue to take that approach. I'm not active on on Facebook or um, Instagram or that. Yeah. But, uh, Thank goodness Miley is. Otherwise, I wouldn't know what you're doing in the world. She <laughs> she does enough of that for all of us. Uh, and, and and we've yeah. And, and she. And, She'll get a little sensitive at times about it because I'll, I'll get a question like, "Hey, is everything going okay at uh, at home?" I'm like, "Oh, I, I thought so." And, uh, <laughs> and like, well, I just saw you know a post on Facebook. Well, what did I do now? Yeah. You know, one of those. But anyways, uh, I, I guess my take on social media is it, it's a lot like money. It's a lot like anything else. Uh, it, it's going to be. Uh, Good or bad, depending on how it's how it's used, right? Yeah. Um, so it it can be an absolutely great platform for for communication for for showcasing what we do in the industry. Um, we also see uh, the very worst of things, yep, yep, and we probably focus on that more. I I think my if I have a pet peeve, it's just the volume of negativity that it breeds and. Um, it's, it's amazing how polarizing it can, it can make people become. Um, and, and I have some discussions even with some close friends on some of those things, but, uh, you know, I think when you think about the industry and even society in general, I think you guys would agree there are less people involved in production agriculture today than ever before in history. Right. Right. Yep. right? So yep. 
what better way to show and, and reach other people than uh, through social media about what we're doing and, and how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and we can, gosh, we can still have a lot of fun in the process. Oh, yeah. Social media obviously is a great platform for that as well. My, I guess uh, if I'd have any uh, coaching on it, it's simply just be smart and, and just let's focus on the good. Right. You know, I, yeah. There's so much in it. There's so much good. Let's. Yeah. Yeah. Why, you know, why, why make it a, an avenue for hate and make it an avenue for negativity and bashing and bashing young judges, bashing any judges, bashing kids, parents, yeah. uh, politicians. My goodness. I mean, you, you put it on the list, name it, whatever you want it to be. And it's, uh, it can really breed a lot of uh, negativity. And so I think just being, being intentional about how you use it is, yep. is very important yep. and probably just making a commitment to say, Hey, I've, put my best foot forward online i can still you know show my personality and have a lot of fun in the process exactly yeah well and it's it's interesting you know i totally agree the the negativity the the breeding of it is is it's interesting because i feel like sometimes you know folks will bring up a point of discussion and whether it's good bad or indifferent and and things you know it's hard for people to have civil conversations on the internet, right? Which, well, and it's easy because they, like you said, keyboard warriors, they hide behind that screen, and it's not a face-to-face interaction. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the other thing I think related to the to the show industry that I see is, uh, um, and it's no different than um, it's a little hard to explain. It's no different than than athletics and, and high-level athletics and and recruiting and all the above, but. Uh, I think there's there's probably more looking down at your phone and and uh, spending more time trying to find yourself in results and and how many likes or whatever you call it or, or, or smiley faces emojis <laughs> and unicorns a guy gets or that versus just talking to people right man let's put your phone down there, there's no reason why you can't just sit there and man I, I think you guys agree coming to North American. I mean, having a chance to just interact and talk to people. Yes. Yep. Um, I, I hope young people will do the same. Yep. I, I mean, as a as an educator, that was something that I would picked up on just studying young people at, at events and and uh, gosh, us parents. And I'm preaching to the choir a little bit on this. You know, we're notorious for being on our phones, but uh, <laughs> you know, let's make it a point to to just go out and interact and right. talk to people. Yep. Well, that's what I love so much about you know aspects of of the livestock industry is though I think as, as in the world, that's a, it's a major problem. You probably just don't see it as much in this, this business as you do mostly because uh, your hands are full of other things like combs and brushes yeah, and blowers. Right. <laughs> and I, th- I think that's really cool that, uh, you know, sometimes, especially here at the North American, you could be walking through the barns and, um, you know, obviously the kids have their tablets and phones, but there's a lot of times where you just walk by and you see a group of people standing there talking to each other. And yeah, it's, right. it, this is a good place for that too. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, speaking of the industry, uh, the infamous, I guess we can call it infamous cause we always try to dish it on the other person. So he did it to me this time, but we ask every guest, as you know, you've listened to, uh, the podcast, but where do you see the show stock industry in five years? Yeah, I, that, that is a, very tough question to answer and um I, I guess here's my thoughts on that in five years whether it's five years 10 years whatever that number you want to make first of all i think there's going to be a continued huge appetite for 
or showing livestock. I think, I think young people and families enjoy being around livestock, raising mm-hmm. livestock, coming to events, the social aspect of it, making friends, uh, the competition aspect of it, you know, um, trying to win. All those things, I think, are, are going to continue to breed a tremendous appetite for stock shows. And so I, I think from that standpoint, uh, it's going to be viable. Where I see um, some potential, you know, challenges or watchouts, I really think and maybe today I'm day-to-day more involved in the commercial swine industry. And so right. some of this some of this maybe uh, stems a little more from a, thought, a mindset around the swine industry. But I think that our, our general exhibitor population today and even our, our show pig breeders, our, our show steer breeders, exhibitors, are going to have to be on point at all times. And just to give you a little example, I remember flying home from Phoenix uh, from the Arizona National when I was at, at uh, NSR. I was at the gate waiting on my flight, and, and there was a, a man that walked up and sat right beside me. And I, I don't want this to sound judgmental, but uh, he's not a person you probably would see at a stock show. Yeah, you know, right, long right. hair, black trench coat, black cowboy hat. Um, and he sat right next to me and he said, are you traveling home? And and I said, yeah, I am. And he said, so what are you doing here? And I thought, well, how do I explain that? <laughs> how do I explain I was yeah. out here running a hog helping right helping with a hog show so i started you know hey i i was helping with an agriculture event i was out here and in, in uh, phoenix for an agriculture event and i work in agriculture and he said oh really me too and i said no kidding and uh and i said well i work in the livestock industry and i work for a swine breed association and the next words he said was how about that coronavirus wow and this was right as pd had had kind of uh, we were about I would say eight to twelve months into to PED in the U.S. and and um, that was a wake up call for me that you know obviously you know there was somebody you know first of all don't judge a book by its cover right. yeah this guy was a, a wheat geneticist and uh, we had a great conversation smart guy and, and very fun to to talk to but what I'm getting at is uh, don't judge a book by its cover but secondly you never know who who you may come in contact with mm-hmm. and I think that. We are always going to have to be on point and, and ready to have those conversations. I also think there may come a time soon just because of uh, the, the risk that, that maybe we pose uh, to the broader protein industry at times mm-hmm. or the perceived risk, um, particularly in the swine industry from a biosecurity standpoint with what's going on across you know, the, yep. the other side of the world today. Mm-hmm. Foreign animal disease is a is a tremendous uh, threat to to U.S. agriculture, not just the swine industry. And as those risks become greater, uh, there there shines a brighter light and the microscope on the stock show industry. You know, it really becomes significant. And so, I think really being able to 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 justify why this activity is important is is very critical and, and nobody did it better than dale hummel last week on your yeah, guys segment yeah. you know that we need young people today to have an experience with animal agriculture and, and to go out and, and hopefully be involved in agriculture and hopefully be involved in the animal agriculture industry yep. even if they're not they're going to be advocates for us and in some ways they may 
be able to reach even further than we can yeah. with, with audiences. And, and another good example of that, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, this morning I had a chance to have breakfast with uh, Jack Ward, Executive Secretary of the, uh, uh, the Hereford Association. And Jack's another one I, I just idolized as a kid, mm-hmm. looked up to Jack. But, you know, we were catching up on where his sons are now, and both of them grew up raising and exhibiting cattle at the highest level. And, and his youngest son, Carter, is back, back home today. And, uh, and his oldest son, Cameron, uh, his career path has led him in a different direction to where today he lives in New York City. And, uh, and those that he would interact with, I think, on a daily basis in his career path are, are, are very different right. than, than us. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's a case where he can, he can be a tremendous ally and, and advocate and educator for animal agriculture with where he's at. Yeah, and, exactly. And so we have got to have a platform to expose young people yep. to animal agriculture. And and on top of that, there's no better way to be a parent and raise your kids than than being in the barn with your kids every day, day to day, just the the communication channels that opens up, the, yep. the lessons that, that you can teach your kids and, and uh, get them talking and obviously – you know, beyond that, our, our traditional speech of the, the responsibility, you know, yep. caretaking of animals, uh, communication and, and networking uh, with, with folks at shows and breeders, and, you know, as you're going out and, and pursuing purchasing livestock. Uh, there, there's just so much value in that. And as a result, we've just got to be so conscious of what we do and make sure that, uh, that we can make this thing keep going. It's critical. And yep. it's critical yep. from an economic standpoint. But even more so, it's critical for the sustainability and uh, and really bringing that next generation of young young people like like you two guys and the platform that you have. You, boy, you guys are hats off to you guys for what you're doing. I'm really proud it. of yeah. you, and I and this has been a, a very successful platform for you guys to uh, to to reach a, a broad audience. It's been fun, and we appreciate you hanging out with us for a, a whole another hour and a half of your long day already. Yep, yep. So. Thanks so much for opening up your book and your story. So we appreciate you on the show of Stock Talk. No, I, I, I'm a big podcast fan. I, <laughs> I have about uh, almost an hour commute back and forth every day. So uh, I look forward to hearing who you guys have on there. And, uh, and great job. Keep up the good work. I, I love history. The North American, the thing that's cool about this fairgrounds, you guys ever spend any time looking through the saddle and sirloin portraits it's the hall of fame yes what i'm getting at is i i love when you have guests on here that provide some historical background if i was to to plant myself in any previous life i would have loved to have been involved in the early chicago uh, stockyard Mm -hmm. chicago international days and so hearing uh dale hummel's um experience as a kid and and that i thought was awesome and i i hope that you continue to find those that bring that historical perspective yep and i think it's it's such a great opportunity for for the younger generation to learn and and we need platforms like this to get that transfer of knowledge right where it came from right well someone you might appreciate who is who is on my who's on my list of you know if i could create you know okay this person is perfect for this topic. The history of this industry, Dave Cox is very high on my list to discuss that sort of, uh, of exactly what you talked about. He so. is. And that's a, Dave Cox is a, 
so intelligent. There's, there's probably yep. a, a that's a guy there that maybe a lot of them outside of the Midwest may not know about, but right. has, has raised tremendous breeding cattle, but also uh, a historian in the industry. And and I'd sure tune into that one. Yeah, yeah. So. I think uh, I think it'd be. Uh, an awesome conversation. So, uh, before we depart, um, there's one one last topic of discussion I'd like to. Uh, maybe it's just a, a sentiment to our alma mater uh, of Blackhawk. But uh, Brian uh, recruited me to go to Blackhawk, and then uh, that summer was he, he took the job uh, with an SR. Yep. And, and I was a little I was a little um, upset, but Brian, you called me. I remember and said, "Hey, Corey." Uh, um, I just want to let you know I'm I'm heading to the TNSR. You're going to be in great hands. Uh, hope you know best of luck, all that kind of stuff. And then um, and then Brian sticks me as uh, the reserve bear at my county fair that year, and, <laughs> and I what? still went. You and know I what? I, I actually I remember I remember the phone calls, and, and those were tough phone calls because I I'll never forget mine. You know, I uh, uh, any any decision on a career move is very hard, um, especially where you feel like uh, you're, you're leaving family. Um, but it, but it was a great opportunity and, and, and certainly appreciative of all the chances I've had. I remember the show. I remember you were reserve. I think he was a super monster barrow, a yep. blue barrow. And, uh, and he was a, he was a great barrow. And thank you for still going to Blackhawk. <laughs> I actually, it, it popped up this summer on my memories on Facebook and, and somebody, sh- my mom or somebody shared it. And uh, I was like, man, I was really skinny back then. And then I was like, boy, for the time, that barrel was kind of nice. I wish he could have made it a little bit longer, but he was maxed out. I, he was probably a little big for that show and, and pretty skinny-legged. But, you know, for 2011, 2012, he was, probably, he was just okay. So, no, <laughs> That's he, hilarious. Uh, it's, it was funny. Uh, Max Luck, it is, it, it wants to do this breed him, ship him, show him, which we're going to pull that out at some point in time yes. uh, for, for Max. and. Um, part of that was going to be, you know, okay, uh, the idea behind it is uh, Step Brothers. I know it's probably one of your favorite movies of all time, so I've been told. And uh, you can see where we're going with this. And so it's breed one, ship okay. one, show one. And and uh, so, you know, for example, you take, uh, um, you know, you get five, five of the best females you could get uh, at a visionary, but none of them will breed back. Uh, and then you get uh, you know the best super monster bear there ever was, um, you know, but uh, or a boar there ever was, but he's a crypt orchid. And then you get um, you know the 2011 Reserve Grand Champion bear at the Vigo County Fair, and you got to breed one, ship one, show one, cloning rights, uh, all that kind of stuff is available. So I just uh, I thought that would be kind of fun to do at some point in time, but uh, this episode is gone. Yeah. Very long. Yeah. Well, we will <laughs> get to we, that. We've had a lot of fun. So, well, Brian, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Keep it up. It's been fun. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been a great, uh, great time here in Louisville, Kentucky. We've really enjoyed being able to network and, and meet some of you guys and take advantage of giving out some free, free koozies and stickers along the way. That's right. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. This has been another edition of Stock Talk. <laughs>